thank him and recognize the great work that he does. All right. I think the mic's on. Galatians chapter 6. Now, I had intentions of looking at something a little different this afternoon, but you know how good intentions are. They don't always work out. Galatians chapter 6, we're going to finish up in verse 2 through 5 here as we continue the thought of bearing and sharing within life. Within verse 1, we recognize this morning that we help with the struggles of other Christians. We help bear the load. We share in the load, in the work in which we do. Not only do we recognize in verse 1 that we share the load in those that are struggling or those that have fallen. He says those that were being tested in Galatians chapter 6 and verse 1 or in a trespass. You notice down in verse 2 he says, bear one another's burdens. The idea is when fellow Christians have a problem... We're on the same team. We're in the same camp. Our goal is the same goal. We are like-minded people. You know, as God warns about evil companions or evil, evil conversation, He says uh, evil companions, they corrupt good morals. As you look at God's design, if you're spending time with, within this conversation with others that are pursuing something that's wrong, they can bring you down. Well, at the same time, you look at Galatians chapter 6 and verse 2, he says, bear one another's burdens and fulfill the law of Christ. Work together with Christians and you'll be able to help each other. Christianity is something that has always been about helping one another. Within the, the family that we talked about this morning, we recognize how we get into this family, how we're part of a, a greater family than just that of flesh and blood, but we're a family through spiritual blood, through the blood that was offered by Christ. As a family, we want to aid in carrying the load, aid in our fellow brothers and sisters. We've been studying on Tuesday mornings the book of Romans. In Romans chapter 15, you drop down into verse 1, he says, We then who are strong ought to bear with the scruples of the weak and not to please ourselves. He says, look, we want to work together. Our goal is to help each other as we aim for heaven. As you look at Galatians chapter 6 and verse 2, I don't think anyone is excluded. I think within the immediate context, we think about the person in verse 1 that was in a time of duress or they're in a time where they're struggling and they have this uh, trespass. But I don't think they're excluded in verse 2 with, with all brothers. Anytime they find this difficulty in life, buddy, we're on the same team. I know within Billy, for example, there are often times if he knows there's something going on, if there was a storm in Iowa, he always going to text and say, how are your folks? Uh, he's always checking into, is there a burden that you have which I can bear in? I believe that is the point in Galatians chapter 6 and verse 2. Bear one another's burdens. Look for, try and recognize where someone else has a struggle and try to be a, of assistance. He says at the end of the verse, and so fulfill the law. 
You know, I think that's very interesting as we, we talk about the law of Christ. One thing we need to recognize is there is a law of Christ. It's not a book of suggestions. It's not a possible thing that you should consider, but rather it's referred to as the law of Christ. It's a you must do. Thou shalt, okay? Within the law of Christ, we have the design that was given by Christ for the Christian way of life, how we ought to behave ourselves. As we think about this fellowship that we share, bear one another's burdens, you know, much of God's Word ref references that of this, this building up of one another. In fact, look, when we have a fellowship meal, what's the point? We want to encourage one another. We want to take opportunity to build up one another. When we have any number of fun functions or whatever it might be, what's the goal? We need Christian fellowship. You're going to spend your time somewhere. There is no better place to spend it than with Christians. You know, as you look at Hebrews chapter 10 and verse 25, in Hebrews chapter 10 and verse 25, I think we often might look at it to say, make sure you're here. But I think the thrust of Hebrews chapter 10 and verse 25 isn't necessarily just so much, let me beat this over your head and make sure you're here, but rather you need to be here because. In Hebrews chapter 10 and verse 25, if you turn in your Bibles over there, he says, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as the manner of some is, but he says, but exhorting one another. The idea is that you're building up the other person, but exhorting one another and so much the more, notice he says, as you see the day approaching. Now, I don't believe there's any question when he says the day, this is a universal Christian looking forward to day. All right, when you think of the day as a Christian, we could care less about birthdays because I'll tell you what, once you hit 20 years old, you don't want any more of them, or at least that was 16 for me. I don't know where you gave up, but you don't want to get any older. You know, we've had different people that said, I turned 36 for the 36th time. It doesn't matter. You don't want to get any older. There is a day that is universally recognized amongst the church. So he says, exhorting one another, looking forward to this, the day, the only day that is of true importance. That's the day that we're looking forward to. That's the day that we're working towards. That's the day that we've got in mind that we keep our sights set on heaven. Why? Because I want to be ready to meet my maker. Now notice, he says, but exhorting one another. The idea within Christianity is it's not all about me. Look, I want to be at church so that others build me up. But in Hebrews chapter 10 and verse 25, I want to reciprocate. I want to build up others. I believe it's God's design. And so therefore, we didn't know what we were missing out on until we, uh, until we tried to fellowship with the computer, look at the TV screen. We recognized something was missing. I believe everybody in here could shake their head yes and say, you know what, it just wasn't the same. Fellowship is important in maintaining a godly life. Christian friends. Colossians chapter 3 and verse 16, not only does he... Not only do we see in Hebrews chapter 10 and verse 25 where he talks about we exhort one another in worship as they came together or as we see them coming together, but in Colossians chapter 3 and verse 16, he says, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. 
I want a lot of it. I want to be filled with it. He says, teaching and admonishing, listen, one another. Notice he says, one another, teaching and admonishing one another. I teach you, you teach me. And how do we do it? He says in Psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs, singing with grace in your hearts to the Lord. Notice it's reflexive. I do it, you do it, we all do it. There's a certain way in which it needs to be done. And then he goes on and he says there's a certain spirit or attitude that goes along with it. Singing with grace in your hearts to the Lord. Once again, we have this reflexive helping the church. When I sing and teach and admonish, you're blessed. And when you sing and teach and admonish, I'm blessed. But if you notice in Colossians chapter 3 and verse 16, we did all of it to the glory of God. We did it all to the Lord, but incidentally, in worshiping the Lord in song, I'm blessed by you singing. And so we see fellowship, building up one another. Go back to Galatians chapter 6 and verse 2. And fulfilling, and so fulfill the law of Christ. And so you are what God expects you to be. And so you become. You go back to Colossians, uh, sorry, 2 Timothy chapter 3 and verse 16. It says, all scripture is given by inspiration of God. It's profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction of righteousness. Why? That the man of God can be complete, perfect, whole, just what God wants you to be. And so fulfill the law of Christ. Live according to God's word. Follow after God's word and you'll be exactly what God wants you to be. And you'll be ready when the judgment day comes. We can look forward to the day that we recognize in Hebrews chapter 10 and verse 25. Notice in Galatians chapter 6 and verse 2. Within this law of Christ, he says, and so fulfill the law of Christ. In helping one another, we fulfill Christ's law, Christ's divine message that was left for us. We fulfill God's purpose for us upon earth. I think back to Ecclesiastes. And he says, let us hear the conclusion of the whole matter. Fear God and keep his commandments. Tie that in. And so fulfill the law of Christ. Do exactly what God says. Let us hear what life's all about. Fear God, keep His commandments. And here within, within Galatians chapter 6 and verse 2, He says, look, through this, helping one another. Well, why is that important? Love the Lord your God with all your heart. Goes on and He says, love your neighbors yourself. And so fulfill, verse 2, the law of Christ. In Romans chapter 8 and verse 2, He says, for the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus, listen, has made us free from the law of sin and death. There is freedom. So he said, by helping to bear one another's burdens in verse 2, we fulfill the law of Christ. Tie that in with what he's talking about here in Romans chapter 8. And he says, look, through the law of Christ, through Christ, through the law of the Spirit, through God's Word, he says you can be freed from the law of sin and death. When he talks about that law of sin and death is the, the factual understanding of Isaiah 59. Look, your sins and iniquities have separated you from God. It's the understanding of Romans chapter 3 and verse 23 where he says, for all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Go back to Romans chapter 6 and verse 23. 
The wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. He says, look, this is it. You can fulfill the law of Christ in loving and caring and bearing the burdens of fellow Christians. All right. In helping one another, we fulfill Christ's law by design. You see in Romans chapter 8, through that we recognize that we can be freed from sin and death, meaning because you sin, death is your reward. But we're freed from that because the blood of Christ, the law of Christ, gives hope through forgiveness of sins. You know, in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, he talks about this, this gospel message as the thing that frees man. You go back to 1 Corinthians chapter 15, he says, Moreover, brethren, I declare to you, listen, the gospel. He says, which I preached to you. I preached the gospel to you. Verse 1. He said, which you received. You received the gospel from me. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 1. He said, wherein you stand, you're able to stand because of the gospel. 1 Corinthians 15, verse 1. Notice what he says in verse 2. By which you are saved. What saved them? The gospel. If you hold fast that word which I preach to you, unless you have believed in vain, he goes on to say in verse 3, he said, for I delivered unto you first of all that which I also received. Christ died for our sins, according to the Scriptures. Verse 4, and he was buried. Verse five, uh, the end of verse 4, and he rose again, according to the Scriptures. Therein we find the gospel message that saved these people in 1 Corinthians chapter 15 and verse 2. It says, by which you were saved, through the death and the burial and resurrection of Christ. So in helping one another, we fulfill the law, God's design, by which we find salvation. Let's go back to Galatians chapter 6. We've made it through two verses this morning, so let's, uh, between this morning and this afternoon, so let's try and see if we can't make it through the next three. He says in verse 3, he says, For if anyone thinks himself to be something, when he is nothing, he deceives himself. You know, it'd be real easy to get caught up in self. It's real easy to get this haughty attitude. You know, as you go throughout the New Testament, Jesus warns about or cautions about, make sure you're humble-minded. Considering yourself, understanding that, look, we don't want to get caught up in me. Well, <laughs> look how great I am. I can't believe them over there. You know, I can't, would, would say, as we, we contrast this thought, you know, there's, there's a haughty spirit. You know, there's one that, that boasts in themselves. You know, if you look at 1 Peter chapter 5 and verse 8, we, we were in 1 Peter a good bit this morning. I thought maybe I'd have you hold your hand there. We looked at it earlier, 1 Peter chapter 5 and verse 8. He says, be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary the devil walks about as a roaring lion, seeking whom you may devour. If anyone thinks to be something, watch out. Because Satan's ready to bring you down. He's just around the corner. He's just around the bend. He says, if anyone thinks himself to be something when he is nothing. Got too caught up in self. He said he deceives himself. You know, I think Paul had a pretty good understanding of what it was to be nothing. He refers to himself. He says, look. 
I'm the chief of all sinners. He talks about his not deserving everything. And then he boasts and he says, look, I don't want to boast in this, but I want to boast in Christ. And I think he really sums it up very well when he says, for me to live is Christ and to die is gain. He said, I recognize it's not about me, but there is something it's all about. It's all about Christ. That haughty spirit can deceive oneself. It can bring them down. It can get them to where they hold themselves at high esteem, but they do it to the neglect of the truth. He says, let him examine himself because he's deceived is the idea in Galatians chapter 6. If you look at 1 Corinthians chapter 9, in 1 Corinthians chapter 9 and verse 27, Paul speaking here says, but I discipline my body and bring it into subjection, lest when I've preached to others, he said, I should find myself, I myself should be disqualified. Recognizing he didn't want to be deceived. He didn't want to fall into that trap, but rather, his goal was to pursue Christ. So within this verse 3, when he talks about this deception of himself, the idea back in verse 6 He said, watch out for yourself. Here he says, and at the same time, don't get too caught up in self to where you've got the wrong attitude. Because buddy, watch out. Then comes the falling. Notice verse 4, Galatians chapter 6. He says, but let each one examine himself. He said, it's time for some self-application. Let's tie it to me. How does God's word apply to me? He said, let us examine ourselves." He goes back to that idea of proving. Goes back to proving what's true or what's right. You know, my wife's not here, so I can talk about her, right? Uh, when I was young, I remember uh, my daddy had always taught me, make sure that you marry a young lady that can cook. And so I had to prove this theory. So I had her come over or she, she uh, I remember making some, some shrimp that she cooked and it was outstanding. And then I was googly eyed and we got married. Uh, proving that it's more than just talk. You know, you could have somebody say all day, well, yeah, I can cook. But if you never taste the food, there ain't no proof. They always say the proof is in the pudding. You need something that's to be touched, to be smelled, to be tasted. All right. He says, let us examine ourselves. Why? Because it's got to be proven. He said, recognize about self. It has to be proven. It needs to be something that you can lay your hands on needs to be evident. As you think about proving, I can't help but think about a sharp knife. Well, how do you prove that it's a sharp knife? I would say every dude I know, if they say, yeah, I got this real sharp knife, what do they do? They take out their arm and they say, watch this. You prove whether it's a sharp knife or not. Now, if you can rub it down your arm and all the, all the hair is still there, it's not a sharp knife. It's proven. It's worthless. It needs to be thrown away. But if the opposite happens, if it shaves it cleanly without you ever sawing back and forth, you just come down it, then you know you got a sharp, razor-sharp blade. 
said, let a man so examine himself. Let him, let him examine compared to something. So how can you prove oneself or examine oneself in verse 4, he said, let each one examine his own work, the evidence. Now it's compared to something. He says, let each one examine his own work and then he will have rejoicing in himself alone and not in another. Why? Because it was compared to God's word. Now I think it's really interesting. It look, as you look at Galatians chapter 6, he says, verse 1, Brethren, if his man is overtaken in a fault, you which are spiritual, help him. Help him. Why? Because we're on the same team. We're working together. We all want to get home. We want everybody to go to heaven. Go down into verse 2. He says, bear one another's burdens. Help in that time of trouble. And then in verse 4 and 5, he's got the correlation. And the reality is still what? Jared Rhodes is going to stand individually before his maker. Not just because you helped me, but rather I'm going to stand before my maker based upon my actions. So he says, let each examine his own work. Don't let it just be others propping you up and bringing you along the way. Our goal is to prop up and help one another. But he says, let each examine his own work. Because it's not just about what you did. It's not about what your friend did. It's not about what your mom and dad did. But rather, he says, examine your own work. Are you in the faith based upon your actions? To prove demonstrated what they were. To examine themselves as compared to God's word, it demonstrated... The truth. Go back, let's look at the Old Testament for just a second. If you go back to Isaiah, you know, in Isaiah chapter 8, you've got to figure out at that, that point in time, is this person telling me the truth? How am I going to know if what's being said is honorable, righteous, godly, if this is what I should follow after? Do I listen to this guy or not? Today, you have the, the same obligation, all right? Jared stood up and he, he said some words. Well, was it God's word or was it Jared's word? That's the question. If it's Jared's words, throw it away. If it's God's word, then keep it and adhere to it. Isaiah chapter 8 and verse 20, in the similar predicament, it says to the law and to the testimony, if they do not speak according to the word, what? It is because there is no light in them. Don't listen to them. What they're saying doesn't have to do with God. It has to do with self. You know, you can talk about those vain speeches. You can talk about those, those special speeches. And through their speech, they deceive the hearts of the simple. Well, we don't want that to be the case. And so therefore, we compare it to God's word. And we understand whether it's of the light. Whether it's God's design. To prove, we must first compare our life to God's word. Ultimately, God's word is going to be the judge anyways. Look at Hebrews chapter 4. Hebrews chapter 4 and verse 12. In Hebrews chapter 4, let's go ahead and start in verse 11. He said, let us therefore be diligent or busy. Let us be working to enter that rest. Lest anyone fall according to the same example of disobedience. And then he says, for the word. In verse 12 is living and powerful. Living still today, 
Not in the sense that it's going to change, but in the sense that it's full of life and it is a life provider. For the Word of God is living and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing through even to the vision of the soul and the spirit. And listen, it says, and is a discerner. Okay, he's a, it's a judge. It's a recognizer of the thoughts and intents of the heart. He says, I know your purpose. I know why you did it. I don't know just the action that you did, but I know your meaning behind it. Your purpose behind what you did. The Word of God recognizes what was that purpose. As he talks about examining oneself, we examine ourselves compared to the Word of God because the Word of God is our judge. That's what we will stand before God based on. In comparison to, he says, God's Word says this, but your life was this. Why? Maybe he'll say... Well done. Said you've been faithful over this. He said, even as you've done it to the least of these, my brethren, he said, you've done it unto me. The idea is we want to be followers of righteousness. In Galatians chapter 6, as he comes down, to verse 4 and 5, he says, Let each one examine himself, whether it be in the faith. Or, ha, sorry, let each one examine his own work, and then he will have rejoicing in himself. So if they found themselves in the faith, they're going to have this rejoicing, this excitement, because they were what God expects them to be. Which is the day, when we looked at Hebrews chapter 10, verse 25, the day that they were looking forward to, they have rejoicing because they're looking forward to the day because their works were what God expected. It says, and not in another. Notice verse 5. He says, for each one shall bear his own load. Okay, keep in mind verse 2. Bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. Now tie that in. Verse 5, he says, for each one shall bear his own load. Bear one another's burdens, each one shall bear his own load. Well, what's the correlation? What's the, how does that make sense? Does God just disagree? He says, each one bears his own load. And earlier he says, uh, bear one another's burdens? Absolutely not. There's actually, there is a, a difference in these loads that we're recognizing. In verse 2, he says, bear one another's burdens. Okay, as you talk about these burdens, we're talking about uh, carrying some type of a weight or measure that's it's something that we can grasp, okay? Be like picking up the chair, so to speak, and two people work together and they get the job done. Okay, as compared to spiritual matters, it's like you have a friend that loses a loved one and you go in and you put your arm around their shoulder and you tell them, look, I love you and I understand what it's like to lose someone. I don't know what you're going through, but I know God's the answer. The God of all comfort is the hope that we have. Okay, now notice the correlation in verse 5. In verse 5 he says, For each one shall bear his own load. This word load here in reference is uh, it's of different magnitude. Uh, well, you can look at Acts chapter 27. In Acts chapter 27 verse 10, we've got the same Greek word that's used. 
And he compares this load to that of a, uh, a cargo ship. Acts chapter 27 and verse 10, he says, saying, Men, I perceive that, th that the voyage will end with disaster and much loss, not only of the cargo, the load, and the ship, but also our lives. And so we've got this, this massive haul. And the point being, in Galatians chapter 6, there is a, a haul that ultimately each of us has to stand before God individually. Were you faithful to God? I can imagine standing before the, the judgment seat. I told you to do this and this and this. Yes, Lord. Either you did it or you didn't. And for that, we stand and give an account. Versus that in verse 2 when he says, look, you've got a brother or sister, you've got to do everything you can to encourage them on the way. I believe what we've got in sight here, the view, is judgment. Just because you had friends, fellow Christians, help bear your load doesn't mean you're saved because of them. You know, in Ezekiel chapter 18 and verse 20, I believe it probably does one of the best jobs of summing up what really is the design in verse 5. In Ezekiel chapter 18 verse 20, if you turn back over there, who does sin rest upon? Whose fault is it that one chooses to sin? Verse 20, it says, The soul who sins shall die. He said, The son shall not bear the guilt of the father, nor the father bear the guilt of the son. He says, The righteousness of the righteous shall be upon himself, and the wickedness of the wicked shall be upon himself. You go back to... Galatians chapter 6, he said, each one of us needs to do our part, verse 2, to help one another get to heaven. But ultimately in verse 5, when you stand before God, you are going to stand before God based upon your actions, upon your load. Within God's design in the church, we have the greatest blessing possible in having fellow brothers and sisters that can help us get to heaven. But ultimately, when this life is over, we're going to stand before God based upon our actions. He says, for each one shall bear his own load. Back in verse 4, there's rejoicing in himself. There's a confidence for the Christian. And that's what I want to close with. There is a confidence rejoicing in himself because he's bearing his own load because he recognizes I'm living for God. There's rejoicing in himself alone and not in another. I don't rejoice and thank God for my hope that's found in you. But I thank God for the joy that's within me because I'm choosing to do what's right. But I thank God every day for fellow brothers and sisters who help me on my way. Confidence is key in the life of a Christian. Look at Hebrews chapter 3. Hebrews chapter 3 and verse 6, he says, But Christ, as a son over his own house, whose house we are, if we hold fast the confidence and the rejoicing of the hope firm to the end. Why? Because back in verse 3... They examined themselves. 
in Galatians chapter 6. They consider themselves. And here in Hebrews chapter 3 and verse 6, there's a rejoicing that they have hope in, they have confidence in, firm to the end because they are holding to the Lord. Go forward just a couple pages. In Hebrews chapter 10, a little bit later than what we read earlier, drop down to verse 35, he says, Therefore, do not cast away your confidence, which has great reward. We're looking forward to our reward. We're looking forward to meeting our Maker because we have confidence in the Lord. Last verse I want you to look at is 1 Timothy chapter 1. 1 Timothy chapter 1. Drop down to verse 12. He says, And I thank Christ Jesus our Lord who has enabled me because He counted me faithful, putting me into the ministry. He says, praise be to God. Thanks be to Christ who's enabled me, who's allowed me to be a soldier, who has allowed me to be a servant, who has allowed me ultimately to be a Christian. Praise be to God that we'll be able to stand before our maker based upon our actions and not upon the actions of others. But in the meantime, praise be to God for fellow Christians that can bear and share in the burdens of life. If you're not a Christian, you're missing out on the encouragement that comes from fellow Christians. Sure, you might have a Christian encourage you, but you don't enjoy the rejoicing. You don't rejoicing the hope or the confidence as we look forward to the day of our Lord. If you're not a Christian, I tell you, it's time to make a change. We're all in it together. We're helping one another. And our goal is to reach out and help as many as we can. If you're not a Christian, I ask you, do you understand that Jesus Christ is the Son of God? If you do, if you recognize that Jesus being God's only Son, being... God in the flesh chose to come and live upon this earth, you have no reason not to say, you know what, I want to give my life for Him. You have no reason not to make the great confession, I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. You have no reason not to say, I'm willing to turn from sin and everything the world provides because I understand that there's something greater in Christ. Being willing to make that that change, we would no doubt want to be buried in the water. Why? Because within that, within this baptism, we see the tie to remission of sins, salvation, washing away, purification, cleansing. All of these, all of these equal words to that of being saved, which is also mentioned. Choosing to follow Him, we see great rewards And it's all tied up in the confidence of the faithful. If you haven't given your life to Christ, it's time to make a change. Please come as we stand and sing.